In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. This morning, I'd like for us to reflect a little bit on the development in photography. Uh, Eventually, I'm going to tie it to the gospel lesson, but first, let's think about picture taking. And the ancient days, when you take a picture with something called film, and then, so you have to buy the film, right? And then you have to take it and get the film developed before you can even find out what the pictures were like, whether they were good or not. And most of the time, somebody's eyes are closed, right? Somebody's looking the wrong way or that cool thing where people's eyes would be red and somewhat demonic for some weird reason. And the lighting was always bad. The glory days of picture taking. But you might recall in those days, you had to be pretty conservative about how you take your pictures. Now we're, we can be pretty cavalier and wasteful with our pictures. Like your kid takes your phone and starts taking a million pictures. You don't care, you can delete them. But in those days, your kid takes your camera and starts taking all the pictures. Like, hey! <laughs> don't waste the film, right? So you're careful to take pictures of good things. So what that meant was that when you would go, like even now, if you go to your your grandma's house or whatever, and you look at the pictures on the wall, and there's this family photo that is perfect, and everyone's smiling, and everyone's looking at the camera at the same time, you know that that picture took a lot of time to happen. They had to work, and there were a lot of wasted pictures that led into that. Even right now, there's about 50 pictures on my phone of the exact same image, all trying to catch one picture of all the kids looking at the camera at the same time and smiling. Our phones today have thousands of pictures, all trying to capture the moments that bring us joy. We want to grab that moment and hold on to it. But we don't just want a picture of the joy, we want it to be a good picture of the joy. And so we don't just take one, we take as many as we can so that one of them will hopefully turn out. And after all that work, we can narrow the 50 down to one and take that one picture and show it off to someone and they say, oh, what a great picture. Look how everyone's smiling. Look how happy everyone is. But we know the truth. We know that the life captured in our pictures is not usually as picture perfect as the picture shows. We know of the 49 deleted pictures of no one looking at the camera and the screaming kids. We know all the the tears and the sweat that went into making that perfect picture. But more than that, we know that life behind the picture is full of challenges. Behind all those cheese-filled smiles, we know the challenges leading up to that picture and the challenges that came afterward, after that picture. We know that life is hard, and so we take pictures of the happy times because we want them to last forever. We like to freeze time and stay there. You'll notice that we only want pictures of the good and happy times. Say cheese, even if you're not really happy 
We want to look at pictures of smiles. No one wants pictures of sadness. Even those weird emo artists that take pictures of depressing things, they're trying to get at the beauty that's even captured in depressing, normally depressing pictures. They're still after the good. So this was especially true back in those ancient ancient days of film, when you'd only break out the camera for special occasions, birthdays, Christmas, holidays, vacations, graduations. Now we capture every remotely happy moment, and for some, even every delicious meal. But in all this, we're trying to freeze the happy times, the goodness and beauty that we experience in this life. I've noticed, though, that no one takes pictures in the dementia wings of nursing homes or at the bedside of the dying. There's no pictures being taken at funerals. No one wants to remember those moments, the suffering, the loss, or the death. No, you leave the funeral and you go home and there you look at the pictures of mom when she was healthy and happy and alive. But we don't want to capture the times of sadness and suffering. We prefer the high times, the times when the glory of life shines through the sadness. Yes, we like to stay there in that moment where the pictures show no suffering, no sadness, all saying cheese. And so, Peter makes a lot of sense to us in today's gospel reading, even though he didn't know what he was saying. On the mountaintop, heaven was unzipped, and Jesus stood there in dazzling glory talking with Moses and Elijah. What a picture! No suffering, all glory. Let's stay here, Peter said. It is good, Lord, to be here. Let's make three tents so Moses and Elijah can stick around, but that's only two. We need a third tent so Jesus himself won't have to go down the mountain because down off the mountain, there's suffering and crosses. Now, the context is helpful here. Today's gospel reading begins with the words about eight days after these sayings. So when your reading says something like that, you want to ask, what sayings? It was that painful conversation where Jesus had said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So, Jesus suffering and dying crosses for him and you. That's no fun. Matthew records how Peter responded, No way, Jose. You don't want to suffer, Jesus. It's my translation. And Jesus says, 
get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the ways of man, not God. Peter didn't want Jesus to suffer and die. That's not how saviors are supposed to act. They don't get killed. They do the killing. And now they're up on the mountain in picture-perfect glory. And Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah about what the text says is his departure in Jerusalem, that is, his upcoming death. And so Peter understandably says, let's stay here. Down the mountain is the cross. Down the mountain are trials of life. So no, Jesus, let's stay here. Like Peter, we want life in glory up on the mountain, don't we? No cross for Jesus or for us, thank you. We think we know better than God that we have a better plan for us and for Jesus, that we could find a way for him to avoid all that suffering. If we had it our way, we'd have Jesus and his uncrucified glory. That's the kind of stuff we take pictures of. We want a Jesus who can fix everything without the cross. A worldly power Jesus. Just think, like if Jesus were president, President Jesus would end hunger and poverty. He would squash Putin and any enemy in our life and bring world peace. And then, I always picture like he would set up shop in some abandoned Kmart parking lot and set up one of those temporary tents like the COVID testing sites that we would just pull through every time we had a cough or the kids were sick and we'd high five Jesus and we'd get better instantly. But Jesus is not interested in prolonging our life in this fallen world, which is ultimately what we want. He's not in the band-aid business. He's in the cross and dying business. Staying in the mountaintop glory and avoiding the cross will not fix our real problem or cure our real life behind the picture brokenness. Your Jesus comes off the mountain because you live life off of the mountain. He walks into your behind-the-picture realities of life. He comes into your suffering and loss, off the glorious mountain and to the cross, so that he would be with you as you daily bear your crosses and so that your crosses would not be eternal. Luke 9, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. After Moses and Elijah left, and the power cloud of glory faded, and the booming voice stopped echoing, they looked up and they saw Jesus alone. Only Jesus. Not 
the glory shining Jesus of power, but just Jesus. The one who comes in the weakness of our human flesh, who is spit upon and mocked, who is shamed and beaten, crucified and died for you. Jesus only. He doesn't stay up on that mountain since your life is not lived on the mountain. Jesus wants to be with you. And so he comes down into your life where the spouse's dementia is getting worse, where the chemo doesn't always work, where friendships are ended with reckless words, where our children go the prodigal way and marriages sometimes fail. He is there when you are alone and afraid. And he says, fear not, I am with you, so you have everything that you need. Like Peter, we want Jesus in glory, who does things our way, who shows love to us on our terms, who avoids his cross and ends my crosses, or else we threaten to stop loving him. Thanks be to God, he loves us more than that, more than how we think he should love us, and certainly more than we deserve. He doesn't stop loving us. Our loving Father gives us not what we want whenever we want. That's not love, that's Burger King. And every parent knows that's not how you love anyway. He gives what he knows to be best for you. And he loves most fully by dying for you and your children. You know that God loves you because Jesus died. No matter the crosses you are facing and the crosses that come to your loved ones, when life seems unglorious, in those moments we don't want to capture in pictures, his glory is not gone. It is hidden in the lowliness of Jesus. His love is not far off. It is found on the cross for you. This is my son, my chosen one. Hear him. Hear Jesus, who forgives your sins, covers your shame, and has promised to be with you always, even and especially when glory is hidden. Life is not lived in the perfect pictures or mountaintop moments of glory. Like Peter, we might want to freeze the good times, but we know we cannot. But your peace is not found on the mountain anyway. Your peace is that God has come down and dwells with you. Jesus does not stay far off in glory, but brings his glory into your life and walks with you. We daily bear our crosses, but not alone. He named us in baptism and dwells with us always. In his cross, the Lord won salvation for the world, and he remains with you in your crosses, working them toward good. May he grant us strength and faith in our times of trial, 
when the cross is hard to bear, that we would hear him and find our peace in Jesus alone. And may he open our mouths to speak of his peace to those under the great crosses of this life. In the name of Jesus, amen.